this is your podcast covid-19 in the city and today we're talking about covid-19 and its impact on platform based workers as the country went into a lockdown for many of us the question was who would now do the delivery how do we move around without uber or ola what about our groceries but less than 6 days into the lockdown some of the platform companies were slowly returning to work as ola uber zomato swiggy tanzo change our urban world the covid-19 outbreak has made further visible that platform workers are now a key part of keeping the city up and running with the coronavirus outbreak how do we make sense of workers bringing to us essential services but equally exposing themselves to risk will platform companies be reinventing themselves will we see the state change the way it regulates them or will we see the state in partnerships with them in new ways will the workers now be able to ask for more social protection answering these questions and more we spoke to aditi suri consultant academics and research at the indian institute of human settlements who has been studying how platform companies at the forefront of creating the gig economy impact indian urban workers aditi first of all thank you for agreeing to do this interview we are interested in your insights into the impact of covid-19 and the lockdown on the work of platform based workers to us it seems it's a catch 22 situation and isn't it if platform workers don't go to work they have no income if they work they are at the end of the day exposed to risk so what do you think is going on here panchika thank you uh, firstly for having me on and for asking for my insights on this uh it is a very kind of interesting turning point in the platform economy in indian cities you know since about 2015 uh all of these companies have really taken over uh you know my imagination of how urban services that were otherwise delivered by informal sector workers are now supposed to be delivered and in what fashion and to what kind of efficiency and capacity uh which makes the kind of uh story of platforms and the covid emergency response quite an is- interesting one to look into it is uh, definitely as you said a catch 22 uh because uh the platform business model as it is uh you know plays out in many different ways so many companies kind of take on different versions of the model but quite inherent to how it functions is that its main workforce uh aren't full time employees they are what are called in places dependent contractors or they would be you know unwage workers who are uh, kind of earning as mini entrepreneurs or you know there are many terms that are marketed by different companies for this employment arrangement but um the basic fact is again that there is no income security that comes off of work from these platforms and there is little kind of longevity uh, that's also associated with this kind of work a short longevity which are kind of central um facts of full employment uh and the stuff that lets us you and i work from home um so it absolutely is uh so now as just coming back to the point i was making that the platform model does work differently for different people so there are smaller platforms that operate in india that do offer full time employment to their workers but are possibly not seen as essential services in this moment of emergency response so it is you know the people who are able to work right now really do fall in a very narrow category of services which is mostly transport delivery logistics 
the preparation of cooked food, the delivery of cooked food, um, and the logistics backends for you know large e-commerce marketplaces like Amazon and Flipkart. So people who are in this realm do have access to income uh, through this kind of response period, mm. uh, but they are again at the forefront of being uh, of actually uh, of being infected uh, by the coronavirus. Uh, different um, companies have taken different responses to this. So when I think about what a platform company, uh, how it responds in a moment like this, there are two kinds of responses, right? Uh, there are platform companies that have to decide internally how they govern their workforce and the kind of protections they're going to offer their workforce at this moment. And then there is the kind of external or public facing response that platforms have, which is that, right. say, what is... How does Uber kind of see its response and public responsibility or civic responsibility in this moment to the Indian government or to the Indian nation or to the state or to say the globe at this point? And so there are two forms of governance and governance responses that we can look into as we try and build this picture out. Uh, so, you know, some of the main examples which are playing out is that, of course, the government has noted very clearly that Swiggy and Zomato are kind of seen as essential services because there are people who cannot prepare cooked food and, and require it to come in. Um, so what those companies have done is that, of course, they've enlisted with different state governments to become kind of verified uh, delivery agents. Um, and internally, what they've done is that they have created uh, kind of these different programs for if someone gets sick, what will happen and how the company will take care of their delivery people kind of the unfortunate response is that it's only at that moment of getting sick or someone in the family getting sick mm. where a lot of the responses start to play out from the company side. Mm. Um, but there are other mechanisms in place that companies have put in to kind of assist workers in, in how they're doing their work. So the masks, the hand sanitizers, the protocols on no contact delivery, um, all of these are in place. Um, other companies like Ola and Uber have taken on a different kind of set of responses. Again, these are um, currently in the phase of the lockdown we're in. There is no passenger mobility allowed, whether that's trains or whether that's buses or whether that's taxis or autos. Mm. Uh, we can see, we potentially can see maybe in the next phase of a taper down lockdown where some passenger mobility will be allowed. Nonetheless, uh, uh, Ola has said that they've created a program where um, the, if, if a driver was to get sick in the moment where he has been working or even not working on the platform, uh, they will pay for their recovery and offer some income security during this period of sickness. Now, again, this is a period of 14 days as is kind of the, the period of, of illness that's, um, that's being measured by most medical agencies. Uh, Uber has a similar kind of response. Uh, Urban Clap, on the other hand, has been has had a more interesting approach to how they have responded to their workers. That's also because um, Urban Company deals with a highly skilled set of workforce, which if they lose, it'll be a big detriment uh, to their business, right? Because there's a number of people who can get the skill of driving, but to become a highly qualified carpenter takes a lot more work and skill and 
and kind of life experience. So Urban Clap for their highly skilled uh, service providers have provided income security for about a month. But again, this is a loan-based income security, right? So it is debt. It is debt that they will have to pay off. But they have made cash available um, in this moment, which is a very kind of interesting response. Uh, but again, most companies are kind of reacting in the very short to midterm. So from day-to-day work up to, say, a week or a month into the lockdown. Uh, again, it's we're kind of, we'll have to wait and see. And companies are also having to very, grapple with how to respond to what the longer-term effects of, of the coronavirus are going to be on their services. Because we're talking about mm, customer-based uh, service sector work, which requires interaction. Now, if all, so, if all social interaction is kind of going to take a, a back step given uh, the rate of infection, it's possible that in the mid to long term, we're going to see much bigger problems for these businesses. Um, faced with, again, uh, you know, the responses we're seeing of, uh, of workers migrating back home. Uh, and given the arduous journeys they're having to make as a coping mechanism to the losses in livelihoods, it uh, will, I mean, I think all companies will also have wait to see whether they have that workforce available to actually populate their platforms. Uh, so we might see in the long term, you know, Ubers and Ola's driver uh, numbers fall quite substantially if people don't make it back into the city. Um, and so at all fronts, companies are having to think about exactly in what way they're going to mitigate the risk that this has brought to their businesses. Um, well, since you just spoke about companies, right, and them thinking in mid to long term at this point in time, and them also having to sort of um, confront a huge range of issues, are you seeing an impact on the revenues of the companies itself? So we'll see what that revenue loss looks like at the end of the quarter. If we think about India's uh, kind of relationship to COVID right now, uh, ridership on mobility platforms fell quite substantially in, in, say, the two weeks before COVID hit. I mean, say, the lockdown hit. Um, I think we saw it a little less in terms of uh, Urban Clap and Swiggy and Zomato, I think, are going to do just fine uh, because they are really, you know, being quite essential at this point. Currently, we haven't seen the revenue, the numbers reported. Um but it also, you know, begs to question what uh, companies are doing with the revenue from previous quarters right now, because all the kind of company responses I spoke about uh, seem to be coming partly from the revenues, partly from the management who has donated money and partly from asking customers to support um, create these monetary pools uh, for the gig workers. So I think the question of how companies are playing out with their civic responsibility is, is really going to come in under the, under the scanner in the next three, three months. Possibly not right now, but in the next three months. And um, are you seeing some specific impacts of the government orders on these e-commerce platforms? Are they, are they sort of any different from what you've seen before? Sure, absolutely. Because, uh, you know, we're I kind of in this quasi-emergency state where, uh, uh, you know, in terms of, um, say, day-to-day operations and administration on the platform, the police has become a far more important player than, say, the revenue collection or, say, certain licenses and permits, excuse me, that have to, that, that say, regular operations folks and platforms 
work with. So um, <clears throat> we did see several uh, reports of violence against delivery people in the first two days of the lockdown, especially uh, when government orders on what was legal and illegal in terms of mobility around the city were not clear. But quite quickly, within a day or two, we did see more state governments put out directives specifically citing uh, you know, deliveries from Amazon, Flipkart, Swiggy, Zomato were allowed. So I think uh, in terms of that violence, hopefully we'll see much, much less of it. Um, we've seen companies absolutely change what their digital offerings look like. So if you now look at the Amazon and Flipkart marketplaces, they look quite different. They look uh, quite similar to, say, what a big basket looks like. So even visually, we're seeing a lot of those um, kind of intersections take place. Most, uh, you know, companies are also having to use this moment to make sure that they can do whatever they can not to have their future revenue impacted and their current revenue. So if you look at the Swiggy app right now, one of their kind of modalities of keeping consumer confidence up is to start to brand certain restaurants with the kind of hygiene and safety standards they're using. So there's a little icon beside, say, our Domino's or McDonald's, which now says temperature tested and um, other kind of hygiene protocols. So you're visually seeing uh, a set of different kind of branding coming up for certain kinds of restaurants, uh, which again, you know, creates a certain inequality in, in the amount of resources say a small restaurant has versus a large chain like Domino's. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is important for companies to keep consumer confidence up because, again, it is a livelihoods question. It is so, uh, you know, closely tied to that. Another interesting kind of development that has taken place over the last two days, and this is from internal reports from, from companies, is that uh, both mobility platforms, Uber and Ola, are thinking of launching a new, an entirely new product. Uh, service product called Ola Essentials or Uber Essentials, which allows very curtailed mobility between a customer like myself or you to government authorized areas. So like a, a hospital or a medical clinic of some kind or an airport or railway station. Because currently, and I'm speaking from the experience of the city I live in, which is Bangalore, uh, you know, elder people who have regular doctor visits, dialysis, you know, diabetes checkups that have to be, that have to be conducted are using precious uh, resources like ambulances currently to, ha to, to be able to just traverse the city. So both of these companies working with, you know, different state governments have kind of, uh, are, are trying to create this new product where you can only go to certain parts of the city. So there's a lot of innovation that is possible that can take place when companies work closely with governments to give them products that, you know, the citizens require, their citizens require. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see whether now logistics firms um, are also creating new workforces just around the supply of essential, um, essential items. Is there anything that we are seeing as different um, companies responding to the challenges differently in different states? Are we seeing a different state-wise response to the current times with respect to platform economies? Every state has had a different set of responses to different kinds of platforms. Uh, and in this kind of last mm, three to five to seven years, we've seen competitive federalism become a quite important uh, way in which different state governments uh, are responding to different kinds of spe companies, especially the technology sector. 
so uh, the Telangana government in Hyderabad have always been uh, known to be cities that have uh, that that will kind of let the private market take over forces more than regulate them. Uh, so we expect that, say, the Uber uh, Essential and Ola Essentials should probably start to be piloted in a city like Hyderabad before something else. Uh, but different states have played, uh, have responded very differently uh, in their partnerships with platforms, right? So, for example, in Jharkhand, there's been a district which has decided to partner with Swiggy for the delivery of groceries and essential items in a manner in which the state takes over the entire kind of marketplace where all, the only listings you have are of vendors who are otherwise on tailors or you know uh, informal kind of unwage earners that we see on our city streets. So it's a very interesting kind of tie-up where you're not only just using the delivery workforce, but you're using the digital interface and the digital backend management system that would match supply and demand. Um, we've seen in Delhi, the Delhi government has been quite at the forefront of trying to partner with uh, delivery companies because it's just the widespread of the city and the densely populated areas it has to cater to in, in this kind of emergency time. So we've had uh, Delhi government tie up with Zomato to deliver over 20,000 um, meals over the next two weeks to densely populated areas. Punjab has tied up with a lot of milk cooperatives, food cooperatives, and Zomato and Swiggy for the delivery of essential items. And we'll, I think, see more and more of these examples coming out over the next week as um, a lot of these responses are taking place as we speak. A lot of these back-end negotiations are taking place as we speak right now. Right. So as I'm getting a sense, you're saying that there is a scope for a lot of innovation taking place, and some of it, as you just told us, is actually taking place. But... Are we also seeing that the companies will be reinventing themselves? Uh, I think what we'll see in in how companies respond to um, a nation's need in this moment, that is the public need, the, the need of, you know, um, of forces that are not just forces of capital, will definitely reinvent themselves. And I think further going, going on, we'll see Zomato and Swiggy maybe uh, have a little bit more free reign in the market and maybe push more policy directives than we've seen before. I think there will be a kind of back and forth that will take place in the coming year in terms of how these companies are able to push uh, government policy in certain things. Um, but other than that, I think because they are also now kind of uh, propping themselves up to be, you know, the kind of private uh, delivery infrastructure that, that that's required in the moment. Um, and we see this kind of playing out in different Asian geographies a little bit more, which is why I'm kind of drawing on those experiences. Um, you can see that definitely with the example of Didi, which is the Uber equivalent in China. And Didi's always had a strong relationship with the state, uh, as you can imagine in that kind of a political climate. Um, but Didi, just to give you an example of the innovation towards civic responsibility they had, they were able to launch food delivery in 21 new cities during the several lockdowns in China as a response to the fact that people needed to be fed. Uh, they were able to launch in different parts of South America as a response to the fact that there was in immediate mobility requirements that were coming out of the lockdowns that those Latin American countries were facing. We've seen Gojek in Indonesia and, South, uh, and Singapore take on a role of um, of of similar um, you know of similar scale and similar responsibility 
So uh, for a set of companies that, you know, started in 2015 as being disruptors, as being people who did things um, despite policy and they made innovations to break things rather than to kind of facilitate, we're seeing companies really uh, maturing and taking on a different kind of responsibility and actually offering their services at a time when it's required of them. So clearly what one is seeing is a phase where we are increasingly relying on uh, workers of the platform economy. And is there something about the pandemic itself or something about this phase of the COVID-19 outbreak, which is allowing us to see other forms of security and protection that workers of the platform economy must have apart from minimum wages as well? Sure. Uh, I think this is a question that extends a little bit beyond just the platform, the platform economy. Um, And not to say that it isn't specifically a matter of those companies. But if we see um, in terms of, you know, the kind of conversations we're having around um, starvation and destitution at a time where people can't work to earn, right? And that's the kind of emergency responses taking place across the country. Uh, It's a similar concern with platforms, right? Again, all the people in our country who earn to put food on their plates every day are the ones who have to be supported in this moment where we shut the economy down, basically. Um, So you see uh, there's a very clear relationship between states who have strong social protection and states who have more direct and thinner emergency funds and this is an analysis that's coming out of colleagues of mine at IHS where you can see that the social protection that otherwise should be offered by the state to people in terms of food in terms of education in terms of healthcare, are now taking place to this emergency relief so uh, I think what this moment of COVID does is to further reinforce the fact that these uh, these the things that we otherwise spend cash on which is food and healthcare, can easily be things that are borne by the state or, or, or a combined responsibility of, of, say, large companies, large platforms, and the state in a way that also allows um, people to be flexible and to move across city and state uh, and village when they need to and have the flexibility of what is what gig work gives you, um, but also have the kind of uh, safety nets in place where they can actually save from where they earn, not just have an immediate uh, spending um, and these kind of -of out-of-pocket cash expenses that we experience in our cities. Right. Uh, We heard the example of Jharkhand from you. Uh, Apart from that, are there any existing or evolving models of partnerships between the government, civil societies, and these companies that you're also um, hoping to see in upcoming days? Right. So... uh, a lot of uh, so there are different models at play right so one was offering the kind of main services for two governments uh, just at, in, in terms of the entire workforce the infrastructure the back-end management systems which is what we're seeing in the in the jharkhand district example um, companies are also using their status and size and popularity to run campaigns and fundraisers which is what we've seen with zomato and the feed the daily wager campaign this is you know uh, it is a large company with large consumer confidence that's being able to run something like this. So uh, this is just one example. There are many others that I'm sure if they were pushed to campaign for, they could be. Um, 
then there are several products, like I said, that are being made specifically in response to the state requiring a certain capacity, which is the Ola Essential and the Uber Essential example. Uh, in China, what a lot of platforms did, a lot of tech companies were able to do was to deploy robotics for delivery um, at a moment where you know they didn't want to put uh, people at risk. So we could possibly see some of those things being piloted over the next few weeks. Again, those things require a lot of clearances. Uh, so we might see a bit of a, a delay on something like that. Um, there are another model is uh, just offering assets for public use without the, the kind of product framing that we see. So this is a very interesting example where Gojek, uh, Gojek drivers were kind of asked to open digital or e-wallet bank accounts for the unbanked in certain geographies. Uh, so that not in India, but in Southeast Asia, so that cash transfers from the government were able to actually go to people required, right? Because the Gojek driver then is a kind of verified um, verified worker in a system uh, as compared to those who are undocumented and unbanked. So we see a wide spectrum of, of responses that can happen. Right. And as much as we agree that the question of workers' security and protection extends to several sectors and not just for workers of the platform economy, but uh, in change circumstances, right, where they are seen as delivering essential services, uh, do you think workers will be able to bargain better with companies or with the government to regulate social protection for themselves? Um, I think the unfortunate answer to that in this moment with the kind of public consciousness we have is unfortunately, I don't see uh, I think a lot more action will have to uh, be built from within uh, civic circles to have uh, the worker voice or the worker bar bargaining power be much stronger. Um, and that is uh, a very unfortunate reality that I do see. I think what could happen in the midterm is that, you know, this, this relationship that platforms have with their workforce is that the workforce kind of bears all the risks of the assets that they have to buy to work on the platform and 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 all the kind of financial burdens of that work as well so someone has to come with their own motorcycle their own mobile phone then there's a commission paid so these are the points at which the physical and monetary assets uh, and risks are borne by by platform workers. I think in this kind of an arrangement, given the kind of uh, response platforms are being uh, are offering to the state, I hope at least those financial risks uh, can be mitigated. And even if that doesn't come from a labor identity, I think it can come from just the financial risks that uh, workers are having to face. So I'm hoping to see responses from the national and state governments that say, you know, certain kinds of loans can be waived or certain kinds of commissions have to be cut from platform firms. So I'll give you an example of this. The Indian Federation of App-Based Transport Workers is a federation of unions um, of Uber and Ola drivers, including Swiggy and Zomato delivery workers. And one of the main things they're asking for is that the commissions are capped at 5% for the next three to six months on humanitarian grounds because people need to at least earn what they can when the market is working right and this is an added um this is an added demand to the fact that they want um you know loans waived off for the times where the market isn't working you know uber and all don't exist as economic marketplaces because they're not allowed to right now uh, 
Uh, so I'm hoping at least in the midterm, we can start to see these kind of decisions taking place and they can create precedents then for larger kinds of uh, stability uh, that can be offered to gig workers in the future. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much for speaking with us and at length answering all our questions. Thank you so much, Manchika, for those questions and for inviting me here. That was our conversation with Aditi Suri on the impact of the lockdown and COVID-19 on platform-based workers. Do keep checking this space as we hope to do a few more that tell us about our cities during and after COVID-19.